Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Sometimes a girl just needs to forget her problems. Help me forget. Beth Marks? I'm sorry about your father. Who are you? Isaiah Slade. I saw on the news how your sister Sloane is still missing and I want to help find her. What are you, a cop? Used to be. an accident. These huge chunks of time just disappear from my memory. I didn't know where I lived. I didn't know who I was. You don't trust me. I do. Just not with my life. Well, you like hanging out so much, you wouldn't mind coming back down to the station, would you? We got us a coyote in here. Should I get out the rifle? Everything's on a knife's edge. How well do you know Sloan? I was here when she was born. I thought to have to ride. Do you think I have any loyalties to her after what I know? Don't press me. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 472. Available now on video on demand and digital is Find Her, a murder mystery that tells the story of an ex-cop who arrives in a small town searching for answers to a murdered ranch owner and his missing daughter. An engrossing noir, rich in atmosphere and featuring a twist-filled story, Find Her is written, directed and stars Nick McCallum, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Nick, so glad to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I really want to start off the conversation talking about the idea of making a noir. I know you're very fond of the genre as a whole. You you talked about how films like Chinatown, Angel Heart, movies like that, more than modern day kind of noirs, I mean, really kind of like influential to you as a filmmaker. When it comes to making one day the decision to go ahead and do it, was it always kind of like an aspiration of yours to kind of like put your own stamp on the genre and make your own noir? Um, or does that kind of stuff come come across more organic? You get your story first and then the style kind of uh, comes into the equation later. I think probably the latter, you know, the, the organic nature of indie filmmaking in general, um, you know, where you have you have interest from an investor and, and you have these locations and I, I'm just such a fan of the genre that it uh, it slowly as, you know, I was creating the story almost in knowing the location first, um, you know, that that kind of 
girl missing detective nature of it kind of stood out first. And, um, and from there, yeah, you, you sort of, you, as the story's going, you're like, you know, this is a noir. This is a, this is a detective story. I was, I had been binging, uh, you know, everything from the true detective series to a lot of the British, um, you know, Midsummer Murders and, and mm. Poirot had been on in the background, you know, that type BBC type of, uh, type of show. And, and of course, you know, Chinatown's one of those movies that, you know, I can, I can watch it anytime, you know, it's kind yeah. of like a background, a background movie for me. So I think, you know, even speaking, even, of, speaking of background, I got it on my poster in my ward, just in my office now, actually. I was going to say, I have one right over here off to the yeah. side, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, one of those things where, where, you know, getting into the organic or, or the, the subconscious nature of writing, even the, the aspects that you'll see in find her where you kind of, the way Chinatown has water, you know, mm. there's there's a smaller story that's affect, affecting Jake in that in that film at the at the the end of it all. And uh I, I kind of created that with Warner. You know, if you if you think back on on you know, the nature of of how this Garrett Warner character is is collecting land in the small town, uh, the different tree farms taking over the Marks Ranch, uh, you know, whether whether he ends up being the ultimate you know, villain or, or just an extra villain, you know, that kind of stuff is left to hopefully be a surprise. I really like to, to ask as well in regards to noirs in indie filmmaking versus kind of like your studios, because back in the day, like when I say the day, I mean, this is before our time as well, but the, the noir was the staple of kind of like Hollywood filmmaking, like in, in a lot of the, Film like, like a lot of filmmakers like John Huston, etc., and, and and so many others like they just make, they made their bones out of making these films. But now it seems like noir has become more the territory of indie filmmakers because from what I can I I remember just top of my head whenever I come across a, a noir project is usually I am talking to indie filmmakers about them. Um, why do you think it is about the, that genre that kind of uh, number one has gotten out of favor with studio filmmakers and number two? Um, has really o- opened itself up to more kind of like the, the indie road um, with, with filmmakers uh, kind of like yourself. Well, I, you know, I can't really speak to uh, with with studio films. You know, everything's kind of a cycle. I feel like you have the the comic book. You know, your Marvels and your DCs are are almost a replacement of. Oh, there you are. <laughs> um, almost a replacement of uh, of you know the way the Western took over. In the, the John Wayne days, or you know, like you say, the noir was kind of you get Bogart, Maltese Falcon, John Huston, all of that was was obviously that's post um uh you know prohibition and, and you're getting you know that's the mafias are coming up and and you know that that seedy underbelly um is there. But but you know, I've talked about this before where noir almost kind of it allows you in a in a as an indie filmmaker, it allows you to have a a, a setting that doesn't have to be bothered with too much you know you don't have to do a lot of set dress um to to create the world and and the the nature of of the world itself gets to to kind of be something new for an audience you know Mm -hmm. like um it it almost like the way a horror film you know the horror film you start a movie and it takes you on a journey and and uh and you can kind of lose yourself and I, i feel like even though it is more embedded into our society today and, and you can keep it real, 
it uh, it still allows you to kind of be in that setting, you know, like, like along with those BBC shows, like my dad, he just loves the NCISs and, uh, you know, all those those network shows that that you kind of get a clean beginning, middle and end. You know, I'm going to get this story and something's going to be solved. You know, I think there's a there's an aspect of that people like as well. But I guess that doesn't really speak to the indie <laughs> film side. But but yeah, I, I think. I think it allows you to tell a story that that can be interesting and 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 involve the audience, but not have the the need for a high budget would be a, a good answer. You made mention before about um, location, and this film was shot in. Um, and forgive me if I get a pronunciation wrong, wrong um, but Brazil, Louisiana. Brazil, yeah. yeah. Brazil, yeah, Louisiana. Uh, would say. <laughs> um, and some some Florida as well, but mostly like it was an 18-day shoot, Brazil, Louisiana. Um, how much does I think you make you did make a slight mention before? How much and I'll just get into it deeper. How much does location determine story? Um, you know, character look, of course, makes a, is a big part of it as well, because I'd imagine, you know, that little um, well, you spoke before in regards to um, the Garrett Warner character and the way he does his business handlings, you know, the different in the industrial kind of like things that happen within Brazil uh, would would make uh, some type of determination as to what type of businessman you're, you're dealing with, right? So how does that all kind of affect the way that you kind of approach your film um, in regards to look, cinematography, costume design, et cetera? Um, because that's such a big it's part of every film, but was especially that visual component is such a big, huge kind of um, ingredient making those, getting those films made. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, you know, being out in that area, the setting itself, you know, it, it's, it's much further Northeast or Northwest than uh, like your first season, a true detective, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the nature of, you know, you can go to a, a property and, if, if something were to happen to you with the swamps and, you know, it's not necessarily considered swamp swamp land there, but um, right away, you know, if you, if you want to have a paranoia about your, your settings as a visitor, <laughs> it, it, uh, it'd be easy to disappear, you know, with that. So, so uh, you know, even as an indie filmmaker and, and going, I knew the property, I was an actor in a movie that had shot at that original camp where, where Warner's property was. Um, years before. So I was aware of that. And I was aware of, uh, you know, a couple of the really nice locations, we the, the abandoned barn and, and things like that, where that was kind of in the first script. But uh, even like, like where he, he goes and meets Alvarez, I, I there's sort of a, of a Hitchcock North by Northwest nod. I don't know if it even came across to a, a viewer like yourself, but, but you know, where this guy's going to meet someone in a private area and and originally in the script, I didn't have a spot yet. So I when I went and, and scouted a couple months before, I'm driving and then there's those water towers, you know, mm. and, and it's it's amazing how there's nothing around them for what seems miles. Um so so you know, just as an indie filmmaker, you try to be aware of that and and um and and just kind of like, oh, you know, that's the scene we could use that for. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're writing extra things to kind of adapt and and uh take advantage of of you know that isolation and it's like oh that's kind of like Harry Grant waiting for the bus and you know that that or I guess he wasn't waiting for the bus but um we just didn't have the crop duster we didn't have uh that wasn't in the budget but 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that that if that answers your question, you know, there there's that, and 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 for the visual itself, it's kind of an homage where uh, we have Slade wearing the the trench coat throughout. Yes. You know, like like it might not be the the most you know easy way to blend in, you know, but maybe he doesn't want to blend in, you know. So that's kind of your uh, your your Bogart, Robert Mitchum, you know, out of the past, kind of just just kind of a wink of like, hey, we're trying to we're trying to get some nice some nice dedication to the the past noir films. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by T Public. Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. When I talked to filmmakers um, previously, especially indie filmmakers, um, about shooting in small towns, they often talk to me about um, how open and welcoming the the citizens of those towns are. They like to chip in. They like to say, um, you know, things as 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 benign as you know, hey, you know, if you guys want to have lunch here or something, you can we can help you guys out or or what have you. Um, and I'd imagine that. That camaraderie would have would have been the same in uh, Brazil as well, because not only do you have you know uh, the scenery there, but there is this multiple scenes where like there's like police cars and and all sorts of stuff, and I'm sure that's a resource that you yourself as a as a producer would have been like, oh, this is fantastic. I can just, you know they're, they're more than welcome to help, and I'm I'm more than <laughs> and I need the help, and I I can add some more atmosphere to this. Um, what was it like working with with the people there? Um, you know, I, I mean. You know, eighteen days is, is a small amount of time, but you know, for a film um, that's so hectic and so and has such heavily heavy investment in it, those eighteen days would have felt like a lifetime. And you made some really good connections and friends during that time. Oh, I can't even tell you. Yeah, all of the above. We we um, you know, I I lived in Los Angeles just as an actor for twenty years, and in Los Angeles, you know, they'll they'll treat areas like Acton. And um, and and some of the the rural spots north of there, where or Velasquez rocks, Velasquez rocks, I guess, where it's those sideways rocks where they used to shoot Star Trek by there and all that. And you'll go to like a, a mini mart that feels you know full on in the middle of nowhere, and that person knows, oh yeah, you, you're going to make a movie here. That's going to cost you this amount of money. This is when mm. you know they like even the most rural setting, they're completely aware of the the Los Angeles prices where. Where uh, you know their business, they, they, it's a business. So um, yeah, just as a filmmaker down there, I was able to go to the uh, Eunice. It's one of the close towns, kind of the closest town where where uh, they have a police department. And I was able to just have a meeting with the the chief of police there and and describe what I was doing, and you know, letting them know that you know the police force isn't going to come across as 
you know, yokels or any, you know, anything where, where they're, mm. they're bumbling things. You know, I, I, I had full respect for that. And, um, and he assigned me a, a point woman and she ended up being in Karina. She ended up being in the, the, the film as well. She was kind of one of the side officers and, and he just, I was able to just text her whenever we needed a, a police car, which, you know, as a, any indie filmmaker here and that is like, you can, <laughs> here's the day we decide we need a police car, come on down, you know, like, like that kind of generosity was amazing. And then obviously that, that scene that's even in the trailer with, with, you know, Slade getting dropped off and, and the whole, the whole team going to a, a murder scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you were in the Los Angeles area, you're paying stunt people, you have to pay for the cars, you have to, you know, lock off the roads. And, and uh, so we were very fortunate, you know, just to get so many, so many people excited to, to be part of a film and, Hopefully we'll get to go back out there, you know, and, and make another one soon. It's been, I think, what, eight, nine years since your last film uh, that you directed, Past God. Um, right. And from what I've, I've read about the experience of making that film, that was like you were going from credit card to credit card on that movie. I mean, you were really just maxing out any type right. of, like, you know, any, any type of fi- finances you had to try to get that made. When you look back on the on the experience with that movie, and then you, in, then as compared to your time on Find Her, what do you take from that first film um, into this next one? I mean, I'm I'm sure there are so many lessons to be to be to be learned from diving into a deep end with a movie, and then when coming to a second one, you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again, but that was a good idea. Maybe we might I'm looking to that a little further. That absolutely the uh, you know. Starting out just as an actor, I, I would, uh, you know, I began writing short scripts to, to kind of just facilitate roles for myself. Um, and then eventually, you know, realizing, like, oh, you know, I, I'm liking seeing what the director's doing. I'm working with the director. I think I can do this. And, you know, so it was a slow process to have that confidence. Um, so, yeah, past God, you know, it, it, uh, it definitely, it, I think we shot it over 11 months you know, to where you're, you're getting a thing where like, oh, oh, this actor's free or, you know, the, the, the DP can work on, you know, this month. Um, we had a, a documentary camera, with, mm-hmm. you know, no lens rentals. It was a Sony EX3 and, and just, you know, DP pulling his own focus, lighting his own thing, you know, Zach Voitis was his name. And um, it, it was just, it was invaluable having not gone to film school because by doing, you know, there was just such a, a trial and error of things where, where, um, you know, you'd shoot something wanting to be very artistic, like, okay, this is going to be a one shot and we're going to slowly move in for the, and then, you know, you get in the edit room and you're like, like, this is, we don't have the, you know, the, the, the credibility in the storytelling to have people wait for this long shot. You know, you're trying to do a Orson Welles, um, kind of thing. And, uh, so, you know, those type of, of, uh, stories are, are, Again, yeah, you're you're putting it into the next work. You know, you you have. I'm proud of that movie. It, I think even even my DP Zach would agree that that it's it's hard to watch. The storytelling's great. I, I'm all about the storytelling, but uh, it's hard to watch. You know, when you're having to be compromised on on shooting it on a documentary camera, when you know that that should have been been full lenses and and gear. And so, yeah, you you have to make those compromises. In in those eight nine years, not a big difference from then to now is the advent, the rise of kind of like streaming and in digital and, and that kind of like capacity to get your films out there to different people and 
different platforms as well. You know, I always I'm always reminded that it's one thing to make a film; it's another thing another thing to get the film out there for people to 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 watch it. Um, in the in the in the in the filmmaking world, where you as a filmmaker have aspirations to make a, to create a shot that's that's reminiscent of those awesome worlds and such. Um, you're reminded that back then the only way that people could see those movies were in the biggest theater as possible. You know, um, these days people can watch it on their computer, on their little devices, um, wherever else. Are you are you cognizant of that when you're making your movies that you know people can watch your movies in any kind of capacity in any place on any type of screen, or do you just have to keep in mind the division that's up here as opposed to the vision other people might have um, uh, watching your films um, when it does eventually release? Yeah, you know, I, I I feel like our you know our TVs like I, I definitely am uh, am just grateful to to have eyeballs watching the project, you know. So I I don't think I don't necessarily think like oh this is going to be on the big screen that people are seeing this, you know. It's much more of just taking in the story and and yeah, obviously people are are popping movies on their their iPhones now, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't think that's as much of a thought. I. I think to your point on on it can be watched anywhere now. You know, it's not it's not necessarily, especially during the pandemic. It, it's not you know appointment viewing. I'm going to go to the theater mostly for 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 projects. Um, my writing has been you know for for future scripts is very aware of of the idea that so if you don't grab them in the first couple minutes especially if you don't have, you know, George Clooney as your lead or, you know, mm. you, it, it makes the storytelling much more expedient, you know, where you're thinking, okay, we got to get to the point. We got to, we got to capture the the ADD attention. Um, there was, there was a, I don't remember the name of it, but you know, that there's the normal screenwriter structure of the three acts. And I recently was reading a book talking about pretty much making a beginning, middle and end of your movie in five acts, you know, so if you have a hundred minute movie, you know, finding a way to link five 20 minute stories of your character, you know, trying to find those, those payoffs. And, and I do find that in, in some of these, uh, these good movies where um, I, I just watched, have you seen Barbarian yet? I haven't, you know, I, that is on the list. I'm going to watch it this week because it just hit um, uh, VOD last week, I think. So I'm going to finally watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's that just came to mind, you know, where I was I was watching that, you know, that kind of format where you're like, like, OK, I'm totally into this 10 minutes in, you know, where, where is this thing going and, and uh, keeping people on their toes. And and I think that as, as an indie filmmaker, that's very important, you know, like my that past God you referenced, you know, I, I'm doing my my best uh, Truffaut meets. See, I, I don't even know what it was at the time um, where, where, you know, attention spans, you know, unless unless you're into that kind of movie um it's too too slow you know for for modern audiences in in my my current state yeah well i gotta say i really did enjoy find her because i like to watch a a good noir um and to watch a a a new one um is a pleasure and i think i really love the casting that you have i love the story uh the twists i didn't see coming which i really appreciate i gotta say having watching so many (laughs) movies during, during the week it's nice to see something that catches you off guard and for everyone out there listening Find her available 
on video on demand and digital platforms. Um, I really recommend people check this film out. I know it's spooky season. I know it's Halloween season, but if you do want to watch a really good kind of gripping, uh, kind of like a murder mystery, um, I really recommend checking, uh, find her out, find her and, um, and yeah, get people t- talking about this film because I know it's been out uh, since uh, early October. Um, yep. Seeing little reviews here and there. I'm going to have my review up very soon as well and have this podcast up today. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, I get to see more from you, Nick, behind the camera, man, because I really enjoyed uh, what you've done. Uh, we find her really great, really great work. Thank you so much, Matt. I, I appreciate that. And and uh, and yeah, the, that the film, you know, was able to get to you like that. That's really great. 